Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today. You know this message that you're about to hear. I pray that it not only inspires you, but encourages you to follow Jesus even more. In fact, there are probably people in your life who need to hear this timely word. Chances are you're thinking about them right now. Share this message with them. And listen, if you're watching on YouTube, let me encourage you to hit subscribe, stay tapped in. You know, I also wanna take the time to thank all those who support us. We wouldn't have any ministry outside these four walls if it weren't for our friends who come alongside us in prayer and supporting us financially. You know, there are thousands, there are thousands who are benefited by this ministry because of your giving, and we thank you. To continue or to even start supporting our mission to help others and their families follow Jesus, you can give by visiting cfmiami.org slash give. We also wanted to update you on something important. Recently, our on-demand services will be available starting Sunday evenings. To catch the entire service, be sure that you're logging onto our live streams when we begin services Sunday morning at 9 a.m., 10.45 a.m., and 12.30 p.m. Otherwise, you'll be catching the service midway through. Enjoy this sermon. Amen, amen. Hey, and I love that we sang that song, that in the middle of the storm, we know that God, that He is Lord. And you know, when we see everything going on in this world right now, when everything is chaotic, we know that ultimately in the middle of the storm, He alone is Lord. Can we praise God today for that? Amen. Hey, well, Christ Fellowship, so good to see you today. Welcome, my name is Omar, and I have the honor and the privilege of serving as lead pastor here at Christ Fellowship. And I want to welcome everyone right now watching us online and throughout all of our campuses here in Miami, especially if it's your first time here. Listen, it's a joy to have you here with us today as we study God's Word. And today, I'm going to give you a heads up, it's going to be a little different. Uh, we're taking actually a pause from the study through the book of Exodus. Uh, and with everything going on in the world, in, in the Middle East, we're going to look at God's Word to see what Jesus said of what's taking place right now. And so today... It's going to be a little more like teaching than what? Than preaching. Yeah, it's going to be a lot more teaching. But I think today after we go to God's Word, to the words of Jesus Himself, I think we're going to walk out of here encouraged and confident for the days to come. Amen? And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 24. If you don't mind, remain standing for the reading of God's Word. And today I'll be reading from Matthew 24, verse 3. All right? Listen to what God's Word says. And as he, speaking of Jesus, sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us. Everyone say, tell us. Tell us. Yeah, everyone say, tell us. Tell yeah, us. tell us, Jesus, when will these things be? And what would be the sign? Everyone say sign. sign. Yeah, the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. You see, folks, the question that the disciple posed to Jesus is a question that we're posing to Jesus today. When will be the end? How will we know when we're nearing the end of this age? All right? That is God's word. You can go into Casita, everybody, at all campuses. And, folks, let me start off by sharing this with you. You know, about a week and a half ago, uh, I'm in a group chat with, a, with a, uh, some close friends of mine, and we're always talking about different things going on. And one morning, my friend David Guerra sent us a text saying, Hey guys, Israel is at war. And at that time, trying to be funny, I'm like, fake news, fake news. You know, I sent that snap back. 
But folks, quickly, the, the mo- but right after, I looked at my app on my phone and I quickly realized that this was not fake news. In fact, this was very real, very sad news. And so when I went to the television, I turned it on and folks, here is what I saw. Take a look. Good afternoon. I'm Stephanie Ramos here in New York. We are coming on the air with breaking news, stunning developments in Israel as Palestinian militants fired thousands of rockets into Israel overnight in a surprise assault by land, sea and air. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu telling the people of Israel they are at war. President Biden speaking from the White House, warning Iran and other nations hostile to Israel not to take advantage of the situation. The president making it clear that the U.S. stands with Israel. Netanyahu vowing revenge against Hamas, retaliating with strikes like this one on a residential tower in Gaza. Hamas releasing this video of armed militants crossing into Israel from Gaza. ABC News confirming that at least 50 Israelis are being held hostage right now. This video here shows militants taking hostages near the border with Gaza. And the aftermath, you can see it right there, burned buildings and cars scorched. The death toll climbing with more than 300 now dead and thousands injured. This coming on one of the holiest days on the Jewish calendar in nearly 50 years to the day after the beginning of the 1973 Yom Kippur War. And folks, after that initial day, we've seen this war continue to intensify to the point that even this past week, we saw the U.S. send its biggest aircraft carrier all the way to the eastern Mediterranean along with other warships getting ready for a future escalation. Not only that, we see all these surrounding countries around Israel also begin to speak forth and say what they're saying in the matter. And so all of this has really sent millions and millions of people into worrying what the future holds. And folks, for those of us who are believers, it prompts the question, is this the beginning of the end? What does this all mean? Is this war triggering something to the end times. And, and the honest truth is, you know, whether you've been coming here for several days or several years, maybe you're sitting here right now and, and you don't really know the answer to those questions. In fact, if, if a friend or family member or neighbor would ask you, hey, what does this mean? What does this war mean in terms of the end times? The honest truth is that you really don't know how to answer that question. And so you're probably wondering, well, Omar, what does God's word say about what's currently going on and what the future holds? Well, folks, we're going to find out today from Matthew chapter 24, from the very words of Jesus himself. Amen. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 24. You can follow along in our listening guides, which by the way, there's a lot of notes today. So your hand is going to be a little tired by the end of the sermon. But folks, today I have three thoughts for us on what this all means, especially as we witness all this war. So write this down as point number one. Here it is. And that is that Jesus gave us clarity on the end times. Now folks, listen to what God's word says in Matthew 24. It says, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us 
When will these things be? And what will be the what? The sign of your coming and the end of the age. And Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray. Now pause right there and slip into the scene. Because the disciples here are sitting with the Lord privately and they ask the question, hey, Lord, what is the sign of the end? How will we know when you're about to return? How do we know when will be the end of this age? And what I love about the Lord is that he could have easily said, well, listen, I'm not gonna tell you anything. You just gotta figure out yourself. He doesn't say that. But rather, he's gonna tell them, and he, the reason he wants to tell them is so that no one would ever lead them astray. And folks, here is what Jesus is gonna tell them. Write this down, it's letter A. That before the end comes, there are certain things that must take place. Now folks, listen to what Jesus says next. It says, and Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name saying, I am the what? The Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of what? Wars and what? Yeah, rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be what? Famines and what? Earthquakes in various places. And all these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Now stop right there, because notice the first thing that we see here is that Jesus begins to warn them that towards the end of time, there will be, write this down as number one, more and more false Christ. In fact, Jesus says that towards the end, there's gonna be an increase where there's gonna be people claiming to be the Messiah. So for example, just to show you a little bit of the progression of this in the last 500 years, in the 1600s, there's only one person who ever claimed to be the Messiah, the Christ. In the 1700s, there were two people who claimed to be the Messiah. In the 1800s, there were seven people that claimed to be the Christ. Folks, in the 1900s, 26 people claimed to be the Christ. And folks, even in the 2000s, just in 23 years into this century, listen, 10 people already on pace for over 40. And, and, and so what happens is whenever these false Christs, false messiahs come along, what they do is they lead people astray into error and oftentimes they lead them into committing suicide. And so towards the end, we see the false Christs are going to uh, come up. Second, it says that there's gonna be, write this down as number two, there's gonna be wars and rumors of wars. And family, we are in the midst of not one war, but two wars. We have the Ukrainian-Russian war, and then we also have now the Israel-Hamas war. And so, it, but it's interesting that at this juncture, Jesus says, listen, do not be alarmed, for this must take place. 
And so as believers, listen, we need to understand that when we see wars and different conflicts erupt around the world, listen, Jesus is reminding us, listen, do not be alarmed for this must take place. And then he says that there's, write this down to number three, that there will be famines and earthquakes. Now, many people don't realize this because we live in the United States of America and not, for the most most people do not go hungry in this nation. But the reality is that there is a movement in the people in this world who are on the brink of starvation. So for example, in the year 2020, right before COVID, there was 135 million people on the brink of starvation. In 2022, right before the Russia-Ukraine war, we see that there was 276 million people on the brink of starvation. And in 2023, right before this war with Israel and Hamas, we see that there are 345 million people on the brink of starvation. And so what we see is that there's a movement here, right? There's a movement here regarding food and the availability of it. But also Jesus talks about earthquakes. Now, you may not know this, but pretty much on the same day that this war with Israel and Hamas started, there was an earthquake out in Afghanistan that killed over 2,500 people. And folks, just I just looked in the news, three hours ago came out, there was another massive earthquake in that region of the world. And many more people, I'm sure, have passed away in the midst of all this. But you see, the reality is that when you look through history, earthquakes, it seems that they've been pretty steady throughout history. But folks, as of late, they have seen in the last several decades an uptick in, uh, in the activity of earthquakes. In fact, just so that you can see the progression, take a look.
pretty interesting, right? And so what we see, it's almost when you see a video, you know, Romans chapter 8 says that the whole world is groaning, creation is groaning for its redemption. We're trying to see, right, some movements in that area. But folks, listen to what Jesus says next. He says, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be what? Hated by all nations, notice all nations, for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many, what? False prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to what, church? To all nations. And then the end will come. So folks, there's a few more things that Jesus is warning us that will continue more and more towards the end. For example, number four, we see that there will be an increase of hatred towards Christians. And family, throughout history, uh, even though not everyone agreed, when you thought of Christian thought, of Christian philosophy, of the teachings of Christ, they were always seen as good and moral and noble. But I don't have to tell you that even in the last several decades, the teachings of Christ, Christian thought, Christian morality is no longer seen as good and noble, but rather it's seen as close-minded, as bigoted, and even hateful, right? And so what do we see? We're starting to see even more and more hatred towards Christ and his people. Second, number five, we'll see an increase in false teachers. You see, throughout history, uh, for the most part, there's been a lot of debates among theologians on different things, but as of late, you start seeing a lot more false teachers. For example, the prosperity gospel. You know, the prosperity gospel, which is a false gospel that teaches that if you are a Christian and you uh, 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 say something or declare something, then not only will you be rich, but you'll never have any suffering, you'll never have any illness. And folks, what's happening is that these false teachers, for example, are spreading this all throughout, especially throughout the world, especially in the third world countries where people are suffering and is leading people astray to the point that Jesus says that because of it, many's love will grow cold. You know what happens oftentimes with these false teachers? It leads people to eventually hate God. Why? Because they're taught something that's not true. And when their mind, when God doesn't come through the way they think God should come through, then their love for God grows cold. And folks, not only that, lastly, it says that the gospel, write this down, point number six, that the gospel will be preached to all nations. Now, folks, when Jesus said the word nations, he was not referring like political nations. Like, it's not referring to Spain and Germany and Chile. It's, it's not referring to that type of nation. But if you look at that actual passage, it actually, it, the word for nations is the word ethnos, which is what we get, ethnic groups. So what Jesus is saying is, is that the gospel must be preached to all the ethnic groups in this world. Now, current data indicates that there's about 17,000 400 different uh, ethnic groups in the world. And about 7,400 of them 
are has still unreached. In other words, they've never heard the name of Jesus. They never have heard the gospel, which is roughly about 42% of the world's population. You're probably wondering, where are these people located? Well, they're located in the 1040 window. So for example, this right here is what they call the 1040 window. And in this region, most of the unreached people groups of this world are in that region, which is why it's so important that the church continues, right, the capital C church, to send missionaries to, the, to these unreached people groups. And we as a church, for over 100 years, we've been supporting organizations that go to the unreached people groups. And folks, that is why we're so passionate always about planting and revitalizing churches all across South America, Central America, the Caribbean. Why? Because our mission is that more and more people hear about Christ. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. But folks, here's what I want to highlight by saying all these things. Write this down so that are B. Is that Jesus said all these things will continue to increase. You know, it's interesting that Jesus said all these are but the beginning of the what? The birth pains. Which means, right, <clears throat> that just like women, uh, a woman, right, at the beginning of, that, uh, of, having, of giving birth, at the beginning the pains are far apart and very small, but as you get closer to birth, it becomes more intense, right, and closer together. Just like that, Jesus is telling us that through time, these things are not only going to increase, but they're going to grow in severity as we get closer and closer and closer. But folks, as we all witness this shift, right, write this down as big number two. Jesus said there is one key event that will trigger the end. You see, the disciples said, Lord, what is that sign? Right? You remember? Just, what is that sign? And so Jesus is going to give them what is the sign that they need to be looking for that will trigger the end. You all want to know what it is? All right. So write this down. It's letter A. The Antichrist will stand in the holy place. That's a sign. Now, folks, listen to what it says next. Jesus said, so when you see the what, church? The abomination of what? <clears throat> of desolation. Spoken by the prophet Daniel, standing in the what? In the holy place. And then it says, let the reader understand. That's not me putting that here. That's God's word telling you, let the reader understand. Let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, for then there will be a great tribulation, such as not been from the beginning of the world until now, no, and never will be again. Now, folks, let me just stop for a moment, and let me, let me help us understand what this means. If you have your Bibles open, by any chance, circle the phrase, the abomination of desolation. Because the abomination of desolation is code word in Scripture for the Antichrist. 
which means, literally, it means someone who does an abominable act, abomination, and brings desolation on earth. That's what it means. So Jesus said that the prophet Daniel spoke about this. In fact, he did so three times. For example, for example, in Daniel 9, it says, it says that on the wing of abominations shall come one who makes desolate until the decreed end is poured out on the desolator. So notice, the key thing, here's what I want you to listen, pay attention here. The key thing that will trigger the end time is the moment that you see the Antichrist, whoever he may be, standing inside of the holy place. In fact, in 2 Thessalonians, it says that not only will he stand in the holy place, he's going to sit down and proclaim himself to be God. Now, you may be wondering, Omar, what is this holy place? What, what do you mean by that? Well, the holy place is the sacred place inside of the temple. This was the old temple. This, the holy place is the inner part of the temple. And folks, here is why this is so, by the way, that's the Jewish temple, inside of the Jewish temple. And folks, here is why this is so important for us to know. Because in order for the Antichrist to stand in the holy place, like Jesus said, folks, get this, at some point, the Jewish temple must be built, must be rebuilt. Now, keep in mind, listen, there, the, the old Jewish temple was actually destroyed back in the year 70 AD by the Romans. And so that old Jewish temple has been destroyed for over 2,000 years, which means if you and I, if we go now to, to Jerusalem and we try to find the Jewish temple, we are not going to find it. Why? It was destroyed nearly 2,000 years ago. Now, you may be wondering, well, Omar, where was this Jewish temple? Well, it's in the old city of Jerusalem, and it's on what they call the Temple Mount. The Temple Mount. And this is right here, the Temple Mount. You see Jerusalem all around. And this area right here, this whole area, that is the Temple Mount, where the old Jewish temple used to be built. But here's what you need to understand. Right now, where the Temple Mount is located, where the old Jewish temple uh, was built on, right now there is a, an, an Islamic mosque that is built on top of that. And in the holy place, there's a thing called the Dome of the Rock. Now, this Dome of the Rock is where we see all the time in pictures, right? It's, a, it's almost part of when you look at the cityscape of Jerusalem. It's always there, right? It's seen in the cityscape. But folks, if you were to go in inside of, that holy, uh, of, the, of the Dome of the Rock, you will find inside the foundation stone. And what the foundation stone is, according to Islamic thought, is that this was the place where the prophet Muhammad ascended up to heaven. 
So as you can imagine, this is a very revered, right? It's a very revered place for, the, for, 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 uh, for Muslim people. In fact, it's the third most holiest site in the world. And so on that place where the old Jewish temple used to be, there's a mosque right on top of that. Which means that somehow, some way, somehow, some way, that temple mount will be transferred back to the people of Israel. And folks, listen carefully. When that's transferred back, they are planning to build a Jewish temple. For example, they, still, they already have the Temple Mount Administration, which so focused is on planning and getting everything ready to rebuild this temple. The plans, the equipment, the, the, the concrete, everything is necessary. They're getting it ready to rebuild. And they even have the red heifer. The red heifer is the red cow that God commanded before the temple was uh, inaugurated to be sacrificed in order to purify, right? So, so they already even have the red heifers ready to go. Now, you may be thinking, wait a second, Omar. This is impossible. How? I, can't, I can never imagine this, especially in today's day and age, that they would be willing to transfer that back, that mount to the people of Israel. It almost sounds impossible. Well, let me tell you what I think was more impossible. What was more impossible was that in 1948, after 2,000 years of the people of Israel not being in that land, the people of Israel came back to the, to the nation of Israel. And in 1948, they declared themselves a nation state once again. And that began the moment where Israel came back to the promised land. And let me tell you why that is so crazy. Because think about this. After the Romans destroyed that temple, shortly thereafter, the, all those people of Israel were spread all through the world. They were scattered. And folks, usually what happens when they scatter people like that, usually they intermarry and the ethnicity goes away. It goes extinct. That's usually what happens. But folks, for 2,000 years of these people being scattered all over the world, and even in the World War, where the Holocaust was an attempt to exterminate the Jews, somehow, some way, God brought the people of Israel back to the land of Israel. And family, here's why that's so crazy. Because if you look at the, of the history of that land, no one would have ever thought, ruled by all these different kingdoms, by the, the, the Byzantines, the Ottomans, all these people, no one would have ever thought that those Jewish people would come back. It's like imagine today in 2023, they would grab all Americans and spread them out all throughout the world. And somebody else ruled this land. It's like in the year 4,023, we all, we all came back in 2,000 years later and we reestablished the United States of America. That's, that's what happened here in a sense. But God in his sovereignty, 
He knew that the first step was bringing his people back to the land of Israel and establishing the nation of Israel in 1948. Pretty crazy, right? So folks, here's what I want you to understand. As you look at all these conflicts in the Middle East, listen, folks, it's it's okay for us to be concerned. It's okay for us to to mourn with what's what's going on. It's okay to really just be sad about what's going on. I, I understand it. But I want you to think of biblical history because these conflicts have been going on in that region for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. This is, unfortunately, what's been happening between the people of Israel and all those surrounding countries for thousands of years. But folks, as you see all this stuff happening, and there's a lot of reports and all this stuff, I I get it. But listen, your eyes need to be on that temple mount. Your eyes need to be on that temple mount. Because listen, if something starts happening on that temple mount, God is moving redemptive history farther and further along. Now, how is that going to happen? I have no clue. It could be that the Antichrist is so influential when he appears that somehow, some way, he manages to transfer this property back to Jewish rule. That could happen. Or it could happen by some sort of war or some sort of conflict. And maybe there's a sort of fighting on top of that temple mount. And so here's what I would just encourage you. Listen, as you watch all the news, men, stay tapped in. But where your eyes need to be is on that temple mount. Because the moment that something happens on that temple mount and eventually goes back to the Jewish people, listen, that is when you need to buckle your seatbelt because God is moving things along. Amen? And folks, listen, once that happens, all right, once he, that temple is built, and once the Antichrist goes in into the holy place, write this down, letter B, then the great tribulation will begin after the Antichrist has desecrated the holy place. Now listen carefully to what Jesus said. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, Let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea, in the air of Jerusalem, flee. For then will be a great tribulation, such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now and never will be again. So folks, listen, after that, right, what we see is that once the Antichrist sits, if we can get the the timeline back, By the way, we are here, right, 1948, and we're waiting for the temple to rebuild. Once the Antichrist stands in the holy place, the scriptures talks about how there's a great tribulation that will begin, which it seems should be around seven years or so. That's what it seems. And it's a period of time where God's going to to begin bringing judgment stronger and stronger and stronger down on humanity. And folks, As we go through the great tribulation, as the the world goes through that tribulation, write this down as letter C, Jesus then will return at the end 
of that great tribulation. Now, folks, listen carefully to what Jesus is going to say next. He says this. He says, and immediately after that tribulation of those days, then the sun will be darkened. And the moon will not give its light, and the stars from heaven will fall, and the powers of heavens will be shaken. In other words, at the end of the tribulation, there's going to be some cataclysmal things that are going to start to take place. And then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. And then all the tribes, all the people groups of the earth, listen, of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And then he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect, his, his people, from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. And so what do we see? At the end of that tribulation, right, everything's going to go dark, Things are going to start changing pretty rapidly. The moment that all the peoples of earth see the Son of Man, Christ, return, they're going to mourn because they know he's no longer coming to save. He's coming for judgment. The first time was to bring salvation and to, right? The second time is to bring final judgment. And so when he returns, several things will take place. Number one, the Bible tells that when we die, when a believer in Christ dies, our spirit goes to be with, in heaven with God, but our bodies are here. So when he returns, we who have passed away, we're going to come back with the Lord. And the Bible says that at that trumpet call, there's going to be a resurrection of those dead bodies. They're going to be transformed into their glorified bodies. And then those people who've already passed away, at that juncture, at the second coming, will receive their glorified bodies. We who are still yet alive... At that moment, it says, in the twinkling of an eye, in 2 Corinthians, we're going to be transformed into our new bodies, not our sinful bodies, our glorified bodies, and we will be now with the Lord forever. And at that juncture, he's going to come down and have Armageddon, which you've heard of that war. And after Armageddon, he'll bring judgment on the nations. And from that moment on, the kingdom of God is fully established, and it begins forevermore. Can we praise God for that today? Amen. Now, you may be here thinking, oh, I want to know more about that great tribulation and the second coming. I want to know more about that. Well, listen, for the sake of time, we just cannot dive into all those details, but listen up. Because two years ago, I taught a series called uh, Back to the Future. And in this series, I, it was a three-part series where I went to all the details of the Great Tribulation and eventually the second coming of Christ. So if you want to know more information about that, go to our website, cfmiami.org. On top of it, there is a little banner on our website, cfmiami.org. Click on that, and it'll go to the sermon series. And this week at your leisure, you can listen to it, and you can understand more what's going to take place in the Great Tribulation and also in the second coming, all right? But folks, write this down as big number three. Because there's three things to keep in mind in the midst of this war. And here's the first one. Write this down as letter A. First of all, stay confident 
and don't be shaken. And folks, the reason I say that is because when we do not know God's word, right? When we don't really know what's happening, when we don't remind ourselves what the Lord said, we can easily be shaken and alarmed with anything that happens in the world. But folks, once you know what Jesus said, it brings us peace and confidence that we know what's going to take place in the future. You know, there, there's a, a, a moment in the early church where the apostle Paul uh, is writing to the church in Thessalonica. And what happened in this church is that somewhere on the line, a rumor spread that the Lord had already come and all these sorry things took place and people were freaking out. So yeah, so, so, so Paul writes them a letter just to remind them of certain things. And listen to what he says. He says, now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and our being gathered together to him, right? Us being, right, gathered with him. We ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has already come. Let no one deceive you in any way. For that day will not come unless... The rebellion comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And then the lawlessness one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing to, by the appearance of his coming. Can we praise God today for that, amen? <clears throat> and listen, just like Paul was telling the, the church in Thessalonica, the believers, listen, don't be alarmed, don't be shaken. I've told you already what's gonna happen. You now I need to remind you, the Antichrist must first appear. He must sit in the temple, and then the end will come. And so he reminded them so that they could have confidence. And folks, it's almost like in the midst of all this craziness, God is reminding us today, listen, remember what my son said. He already told you what's going to take place. Why? So that when you see all these news, all these issues, all these conflicts, you can stay confident in the days to come because you know what the Lord already said about the future. Can we praise God today for that? Second, write this down, letter B. Listen, stay focused on the mission and have gospel conversations. You see, it's so easy for us to get so focused and so consumed at what's, about what's happening in the Middle East that we forget our mission. Our mission is to lead people to Christ, to help people come to the feet of the Lord so that they can experience forgiveness of sin and a relationship with God. And so if you are today more focused, more concerned on what's happening on the television rather than sharing Christ with someone in your life, something's off. Because listen, so because what we're called to do is reach people for the Lord. So listen, I want to encourage you. When you have a chance, man, invite someone to church with you. 
When you have a chance, share the gospel. When God opens that door, have that gospel conversation. When you can't listen, when we're struggling, pray over them, pray with them, and remind them that there's a God who loves them, who wants a relationship with them. Because listen, it's so easy for us to get sidetracked with other things and forget that we have a mission to accomplish. Can I get an amen to that? And then lastly, write this down, letter C, stay praying. Stay praying. First of all, listen, we are called to pray for those who are suffering. We're called to pray for those who are suffering. You see, when we turn on the news and we see all these children passing away, these families torn apart, people losing their homes, listen, it should break our heart. And we should pray for both people on Israel's side and, even all, and also in the Gaza side because there's also innocent people suffering in that area as well. So when we look at, that, at what's going on, listen, you pray. You pray for everyone involved that God would bring comfort to those people in the midst of such devastation and sadness. So not only do we pray for those who are suffering, we also pray, listen, for the nation of Israel. For the nation of Israel. And here's why. It's because even though they have rejected Christ for now, they are the chosen ethnic people of God. You know, God's word says, I do not want you to be unaware of these mysteries, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. They are beloved. They are beloved by God for the sake of their forefathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. In fact, God's word says that we should never look down upon the nation of Israel because they've rejected Christ. Because if you read scripture, their rejection of Christ, or temporary rejection of Christ, means our inclusion. The Gentiles are including the people of God after Israel rejected Christ to begin with. But listen carefully. At the end of time, he will turn their hearts towards him, and they will also believe in Christ and be saved. Amen. And folks, listen, I want to I take the time to speak to the younger generation to the young adults, to the middle schoolers, high schoolers. Because when you look at society, there's almost like a hateful undertow that is leading people, young people, to somehow either hate Israel or look down upon Israel. Be careful if you're a believer in God. Listen to what God's Word says. For they are the Israelites and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promise. To them belong the patriarchs. Everyone we studied, have studied for the last year and a half, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, all those people are the patriarchs of the Jewish people. And then listen to what it says. And from their race, from their ethnicity, According to the flesh is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. Now think about it. After the fall, after sin, listen, we were destined to obtain the wrath of God. Humanity was. But listen, God in his grace 
chose one ethnic group to be his people, the people of Israel, and through that ethnic group, he would eventually bring about Christ, the Savior of the world, so that every other nation shall be saved as well. And so if you think about it, when you think of Israel, that is the nation, the ethnic people that God chose that brought forth the Savior who saved you. And even those who attack Israel, Israel was made in order to save all of them as well. So my encouragement to you, especially young adults, students, listen carefully. When you think of Israel, there should be a deep sense of affection and reverence for that people group. Because they are the people group who God chose to bring forth the Messiah to accomplish his purposes. And listen carefully. At the end of time, they will turn and they will put their faith in Christ. And you and I will be in eternity with the nation of Israel. So listen, be careful. When people are leading you astray to try to hate Israel in one way, shape, or form. Amen? Amen. And then third, write this down as number three. Pray for God's will to be done. You know, the Lord's Prayer, in the Lord's Prayer, the Lord said this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed, holy be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so, folks, when we see everything going on, listen carefully. Yes, we're concerned and, you know, we want peace, right? That's what we want. But listen carefully, ultimately our overarching goal is, Lord, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The truth of the matter is that God is, only, is the only sovereign God. And he is the one leading history in the way that he has determined. No one can change that. And our prayer is that his will will be done on earth like as it is in heaven until that day where he returns and the kingdom is established forever. Can we praise God today for that? And so here's what we're gonna end. I'm gonna ask all of us at all campus, stand up together with me. And I'm gonna end, I wanna end by leading you in a prayer. And then we're gonna worship. But we're gonna pray for those three things that I just said. Is that all right? Let me pray for us. Father, we gather together, and Father, we are grateful, oh Lord, that you have not left us in the dark, but Father, you provided clarity for us so that we, O oh Lord, could have confidence and peace as we move towards the future. Father, we first pray for all those people who are suffering. You see all the hurt, all the devastation. Father, we pray that you put your hand over those people and bring comfort like only you can bring in the midst of all this. Father, we pray for the nation of Israel. Father, we pray that you would give that nation wisdom to know how to navigate these, these times and ultimately that they would do what is under your will to be done. We pray for them, Lord, as they go through this. And last but not least, oh Lord, we pray for thy will to be done. Father, we don't, have the, we don't know everything that you're doing, all the details, but we know that your will is being done. So Father, as all these things go, as we keep moving forward, Lord, we pray that your sovereign hand will lead everything that's taking place according to your perfect plan until you return and we spend eternity with you. 
So Father, thank you, Lord, for giving us your word. Thank you that you are a firm foundation. And Father, as we move forward, your people walk out now with confidence for the days to come. God, we love you and we thank you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And all, all God's people say, amen. All right, let's worship together, family.